morning. So we're starting today, we're starting our Christmas series. So Bethany, you're fine. You're allowed to talk about Christmas. Um, it's four weeks before, so it's good. Uh, and uh, today's message is going to be on hope. I'm going to talk about Christmas hope. Um, right now in my house, we're, um, we're working on a kitchen remodel. So this is an important deal, right? So you got to understand our situation. There would be this like, crazy cycle with our kitchen because like, like the, the, the sink would be here where you got to like, pre-wash dishes, you know, you, or you, you would put your stuff in the garbage disposal. But the dishwasher was over there. And so you do this and then drip, 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 drip. And so my, my wife would do the dishes and these drips would be all over. And I'd come through because it was only, the area was only good enough for like a person. It was a small area. Um, so I would come in, and like, I, wouldn't, I would be wearing socks or something. And I'd be like, ah, oh, come on, Lena. So I'd grab the towel, and I'd just throw a towel down, and I'd just kind of, and I'd just leave it there. Because you'd know any minute, she's going to come through again and put something else in the dishwasher, and there's going to be more drip. So I'd just leave it there. And so I'd do my thing, and i leave, and she comes back in. Why is there a towel on the floor? I'm like, why is there water on the floor? So for the sake of my marriage... We're remodeling our kitchen. We're going to work some things around, so just to give a little more workable space so two people can um, be in there at the same time. And I am so looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. But right now, it stinks. Because <laughs> if you have to paint that room, because it's, it's going to be just a little bit more open concept. If you paint this, you have to paint that. If you paint that, you have to paint that. If you paint that, you have to paint that wall, which goes into the loft, which goes down to the hallway. Oh, my goodness. I'm just getting started, and I'm like, oh, my, this next month and a half is going to be terrible. But, I, but, I, but it's worth it, right? I'm okay with it because I know what's going to happen. I, I know what's over there. I know what's yet to come. But right now, ugh, I'm stuck in the middle. What do you do when you're in the middle? You ever felt in the middle spiritually? You know something else is coming. You read your Bible and you read about the promises of God. But here you are. And it stinks. What do you do when you're in the middle? What do you do when you're waiting on God? When, you, when you're trying to hear God or feel God, but he doesn't seem to speak or let you feel anything back? Wondering if God took a vacation. Wondering, wondering God, why, why, why can't we get pregnant, Lord? Maybe you've, maybe you've wondered, why should I bother having a relationship with God if he doesn't really want to have one with me? It doesn't seem like he wants to have one with me. I talk. I don't hear anything back. Why should I have a relationship with God like that? Why should, should I tithe when God has not eliminated my debt or protected me from unforeseen expenses? If God's so great, then why is there a coronavirus? See, if you feel this way, you're not alone. You're just in the middle. You're living in the middle. There's something else, but you're in the middle. What good is reading my Bible and praying if I don't hear God speak? I did my best. Why did I fail on that test? I got my education. Why can't I find the job that I studied for? I got my job. Why does God let me be around so many problems in my job? I read the Bible's promises. 
that God has a, has a plan for me to give me hope and a future. He has good plans, not to harm me. But right now I feel betrayed, harmed, and abandoned. That's the middle. Anyone ever felt like you're in the middle before? Is that, is that a familiar feeling to some of us? You're in the middle. I know there's something else coming, but, but right now. If you've ever thought that, you're not alone. That's the good news. People, like, people have felt this way back in the Bible. This has been happening for thousands of years. The Bible is filled with people who felt exactly like this. And this season, leading up to Christmas, some churches call it Advent. This is an Advent season where we, where we uh, remember the coming of Christ. So, so we do two things. We, we celebrate that he came. He came. He was born to die, and we could be alive through him if we accept him as our Savior. So we celebrate that, but we also anticipate. This is a time to celebrate and anticipate yeah. that he's yet to come. God's here, and he's also yet to come. There's, the kingdom of God is here and is accessible to us, but not all the way. Like, there's, there's more to come. There's, there's more to come. It's the reason that somebody just coughed. It's the reason that, that somebody in the room has a sniffle. There's a re- it's, it's the reason that some people are sick. It's the reason that we feel pain. There's something better yet to come. The kingdom of God will, in, in the full kingdom of God, there's none of that. So the kingdom of God is here and not yet. So we can celebrate that it's here. And we can anticipate that it's also not yet that Jesus is going to return again. With this idea of, of Christmas, I wanted to, to use a scripture from Isaiah chapter 9. And Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah was essentially giving judgment. He was laying some judgment down on God's people and how, how dark the Israelites were. And we can identify with the Israelites here. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says this. I think we got it, Yeah. Uh, So Isaiah says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the deep darkness. A light has dawned. Isn't this wonderful news? If you're in the dark, if there's, you feel hopeless, a light has come. Woo! Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Priests. Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, will come. And it took 700 years for that to happen. What a downer. Seriously. Like if that passage was music, it would be this. Heads up, Tom. If that passage was music, it would be this. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I can't. Yes, there. I'm not a barbarian. I just was sweating a little bit. If that was music, it would just be, be this climax. A son has come. And then there's 700 years of in the middle before he came. If you've ever felt like you're living in the middle, you're not alone. You're not alone. It's this great mystery that we have as Christians. God wants to be known, but he seems to make it difficult. I mean, if, if, he, if he really wanted to be known, why doesn't he just get a cable, sh- cable show? <laughs> Make it interesting to watch. God could certainly infiltrate the feeds of all of our phones so we all see him, right? If God wants to be known, why does he make it so hard? 
So today, in this season of ramping up for Christmas, of remembering that, that the kingdom of God has come and is also not yet, we're going to anticipate the coming of Christ. When you can't find God, when you're in the middle, what do you do? Today I want to give you four things to do when you're living in the middle. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write it down, or, or if you're digitally, you can go to mynewhope.in and tap on the... Um, you tap on something, the Sunday experience, and then go to sermon notes. And um, you can actually email those to yourself. Four things to do when you can't find God. Here's number one. Be honest with God. When, you, when you're living in the middle, it's no fun. So be honest with God. If you're sad, when you're lonely, when you feel abandoned or even betrayed by your God, or you're just upset that you're not able to hear him. Tell him. Talk about it. You're not giving God new information. You're inviting him into your life. I mean, I, 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 may, be, I, I may be the only guy in the room, but I don't think I am. Uh, uh, the only guy in the room who's, who's, who knows when your wife is upset, upset with you. Like, you, you know. And, and am I the only guy in the room that sometimes doesn't know why? But you know, my wife is upset with me. I know, and I just have to, hey, honey, nope, not talking. And I just, I just know, I just got to wait, like 10 minutes. That's all I got to wait. Let's go in the other room for 10 minutes, because she's just got to calm down for a minute. And then she says, Adam, I'm mad. Okay, duh, I know. <laughs> but now she's ready to talk about it, and I'm so happy when she finally talks about it. Because when she talks about it, it's not, she's not giving me information, new information when she says I'm mad. I know, but she invites me into her world, and I'm now a part of her world. We become one more. We're connected, and things are able to be better because we talked. When you feel this way in the middle with your relationship with God, well, God, where are you? Talk about it. You're not telling him anything new. You're inviting him into your life, yeah. and that's a good thing. Tell him your negative emotions. Both David, King David, and Jesus Christ both said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's okay to have negative emotions. What you do with them matters. Habakkuk did it as well. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 2. Uh, the prophet said, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. How long do I cry out to you? Violence. But you don't save. Get real with God. He knows it already. Do you think he's going to intervene in your life without an invitation? He can. But in my experience, it works better when you invite him. God, I am so upset right now. And I am upset with you. Because I thought you should have. That's okay. Negative feelings isn't a sin. What you do with those negative feelings towards God is what matters. So run towards Jesus. Yeah. Run towards him. Yeah. The inclination is to run away from him. God, why'd you do that to me? But the solution is him. So just get closer. Just get closer. Yeah. The problem with hope is, is like, I think sometimes we have short-term vision of hope. We hope for the thing like that's going to happen in the next week. Or we hope for the thing that's going to happen in the next five years. We've got to hope a little further than that. 
Psalm 62 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Yes, my soul, he tells his own soul. My soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Forgiveness is huge for the Christian. It's huge. And it's essential because we need to release bitterness. And sometimes we need to forgive God. That's a weird, that's a weird thing to think about because God can't mess up. How do you forgive somebody that doesn't mess up? When you forgive God, what, it, what you're really doing is you're repenting of your own expectations that you put on him. That's what you're doing. God, I'm really mad at you right now because I expected you to do this a particular way. So, Lord, I'll repent for trying to think I know more than you. And I'll submit to your plans, however they work. I'll trust you. When we do that, we become, it's forgiveness in the sense that it releases any bitterness. It releases that, it releases it. So if you feel that, that bitterness towards God, tell him. Tell him. Because that's no way to live, bound up or bitter. There's no way to live. All right, here's the second thing to do. When you feel like you can't find God or when you feel like you're living in the middle, number two, adjust your expectations. Adjust your expectations. I think a lot of this angst of feeling like we're in the middle, God, where'd you go? It comes from an unrealistic expectation or an incorrect expectation of what God does or the way God feels. It's very common to, to think that God exists and his main priority in life is to make me feel more comfortable. That's not, that's not God's main priority. Your comfort and happiness is not God's number one priority. It is someone's, uh, Santa. Um, and you can talk with him if he's going to be at the mall. And you can sit on his lap. and uh, He can grant you happiness and comfort. Um, and Je Jesus can too, but, but his, his main purpose is not our comfort and our happiness. And so if we look, through, look at the world of, God, I'm not comfortable or happy. We need to adjust our expectations. God has a different priority. So, so why is God silent? Why does God seem absent sometimes? Why does he seem distant and, and uh, leave us hanging? I think I, I can think of two reasons. One would be... Uh, Perhaps he's alerting us to sin. Maybe there's a sin in our life that he's letting us figure out. He's, he, God, where are you? First thing to do if you feel that way, okay, is my heart right? Is this okay? So possibly God's trying to get our attention. But often God leaves us in the middle to strengthen our faith and prepare us for the new season, the next thing. Anytime you're in the middle, say, God, what are you trying to prepare me for? What are you getting me ready for? 
God is focused on his mission. We get to be a part of it. That was, Preach it, Pastor Adam. Say that again. Okay. God is focused on his mission. You get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of the war. But the thing about wars is, is they're soldiers. And the thing about soldiers is they need training. And then they get like specialized training for the job they're actually going to do. We should always expect God's involvement in our life to be focused around his mission. And sometimes that necessitates a deep character shift in ourselves. When you're living in the middle, when you're living in the middle, the kingdom of God's here, but it's not yet. I'm going through this. I don't hear God. I'm waiting for God. Don't consistently live in agony. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Don't consistently live in agony. Instead, adjust your expectation and anticipate the thing for which God is preparing you. James says it like this, James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you're in the middle, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. A couple chapters later, James chapter 5 says this. Be patient then, brothers and sisters. Oh, turn to the person next to you and say, be patient. Ugh, ugh, why does it say that? We got to do it. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn, autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Oh, patience. My, uh, my grandma Deal used to say, Adam, I, I prayed, Lord, give me patience. All right, I, I first prayed, Lord, teach me patience. And I learned not to pray that. <laughs> so then I prayed, Lord, give me patience. And give it to me right now. <laughs> Trust in God when we don't see him, that's really faith. Trusting God in the, middle, in the middle, when you're in the middle, ultimately strengthens our faith and purifies us. If you don't have faith when God seems absent, that's not good faith. That's superficial faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, meaning you don't have them. That means when you're in the middle, you still have faith. You hope for something. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, by faith, went into a fiery furnace. And they said, our God is able to deliver us. I love this attitude. Our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow and worship your false gods. My God is able to do this thing. My God is able to heal. My God is able to, to bring me through this tomorrow. Today, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I'm still going to be faithful. I, I still know that I can trust God. And for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, God did show up. 
And they were untouched in the fiery furnace. It was amazing. Let's talk about Joseph. Not Mary and Joseph, but Joseph. Like Old Testament, Genesis, Joseph. He was following God and sold into slavery. Not exactly what he expected. And then he followed God, did the right thing, made a holy decision. And it bit him in the butt and he wound up in, in a dungeon. See, when God, God did that thing he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so we see that God's with us in the fire today. God did that thing with Joseph, and it took his lifetime. God did that thing with Joseph so that we know to hold on and have faith even when things get hard. Faith isn't all pretty because it's, you don't have faith unless, you have, unless you're believing in something that's not there. So, so faith really is hanging on for dear life. I'm imagining someone hanging on to a flagpole that's top and swinging back and forth like that. You got to hang on. Hebrews 11 shares stories of many people in the Bible who had faith in something and they died having never received it because God had something even better in store. They were just a part of the story. So if you think, I tithe, why am I out of work? I went to church. Why did God allow me to get rear-ended? Adjust your expectation. It's not how it works. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. We hope with the right perspective. We don't hope in what we see right in front of us or even a year from now. But we know what's coming if we follow the word. I know that's that's hard to hear when you're in the middle. But it's important to realize that God isn't doing that to hurt you. He's not a big meanie. He does that to help you, to, to build you. Here's point number three. Third thing to do when you feel like you're living in the middle, allow God to build your faith. Having faith when everything is honky-dory is hardly having faith. Faith is believing in what isn't here yet. And God will put us in that place when we have to adjust our expectations so that we can flex our faith muscle. It's hard to flex a faith muscle when you have everything, when, when everything's going great. There's no resistance. If I'm going to flex this muscle, I have to have resistance because this is not much of a workout right now, let me tell you. But if my son came up and grabbed a hold of my arm, that, that would be a resistance. To flex our faith muscle, we have to have resistance. He wants to build our faith. Let me show you what I mean. I think these three verses, they just blow my mind. Okay, here's the first one. Uh, Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Okay, so according to this verse, when you are in trouble, where's God? Ever-present. So when you're in trouble, there he is. Next verse. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? This is interesting. So now we've... Those two, how do those two verses exist? 
When you're in trouble, he's there. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's there. He's there. When you're in trouble, he's there. But he hides himself. He sometimes hides himself. So what's the solution? Hosea chapter 6 tells us, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. When you're in trouble, he is there. When you're in the middle, he is there. When you're you're saying, God, I can't hear you, he is there. But he hides himself. Why would he do such a thing? It's in the Bible, so I know he does it. I've experienced it in my own life. It's so confusing. God, why do you do that? I just wish you would pick up a spiritual bullhorn and talk to me sometimes. I got full bars. Should I switch to Verizon? Then does it work? That must be it. God's on Verizon. Silly me. At Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus has come, that the Holy Spirit is with us now, today. But we also anticipate that Jesus is coming again. We still have a hope in the return of Christ and the full kingdom of God one day on this earth. I love how Hosea 6.3 says it. Press on and acknowledge him. Look for him. That's the fourth thing to do when you feel like you're living in the middle. Number four, pursue your pursuer. Pursue your pursuer. Proverbs 25, 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. So when you're in trouble, God is there, but it's to the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's to search out a matter is, is to the glory of kings. So God hides, so, so I get to pursue him. I get to pursue my pursuer. For whatever reason, God plays hide-and-seek. It's his favorite game, I think. He likes to play hide-and-seek. He doesn't hide so hard that we can't find him, but he hides well enough that we have to look. So pursue God. In a sense, God never is truly silent or missing. In a sense, he's never truly silent or missing. Because we can read, we can always find him in the Word. So read it. So God hides. We're talking about how God hides. I want to give you four places that God hides. If you're looking for God, here's four ways to find him. Number one, God hides behind my busy schedule. If you stay too busy to look for God, He's hiding behind it. You just got to get past it. Number two, God hides behind my one-sided prayers. If you're praying. And just talking to God and talking to God. But don't shut your yapper. Yeah. Your one-sided prayer could be what God is hiding behind. So shut, let's shut our, shut our mouths a little bit and just listen to what God may want to say when you talk to him. Number three. Four, four places God hides behind. Number three. God hides behind my lack of a Sabbath. My lack of rest. If you aren't Sabbathing, you probably won't 
hear God if he was yelling at you in a bullhorn. Number four, God hides behind my sin. God hides behind my sin. Watch this, James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That verse continues. So coming near to God, being close with God. If you want to hear God, how do you hear him? Within hearing distance. If you want to be close with God, come near to him and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Sin can be a reason we're not seeing God move. Sin can be a reason we're not hearing the Lord. Come near to him. Strive to thrive in our relationship with our Lord. We need to push towards Jesus, draw near to him, and live holy. You may say, I am calling out to God, Pastor Adam. I still can't hear him. I've been listening, and I still can't hear him. I've been listening to him, and I still don't see him. I want to read a story in the Bible about a man who felt like, like that. His name was Elijah. And boy, was he having a rough time. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 10 through 13, Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. So this is Elijah talking to God. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So essentially Elijah's saying, where are you at? Where are you at, God? He's living in the middle. So the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Just imagine it. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he put his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. The very next verse starts, and then a voice said to him, what that voice said is immaterial to what I'm, the point. But God spoke in the whisper. Why does God speak in a whisper? It's hard to hear a whisper. It's a whole lot easier to hear a fire, to hear an earthquake. We have to listen. I think God speaks in whispers because we don't listen to the whispers until we're at the end of ourselves. God's mission for us, there's a few of them, but for our own transformation, he wants us to, to change. He wants to transform us from lost to found, from found to free, yes. from worm to butterfly. But in between, there's a cocoon, and the cocoon is dark and slimy. It's not until you come to the end of yourself yes. do you realize that how much you need Jesus. It's not until you come to the end of yourself, strip off the pride, 
strip off the gum and surrender that you go through that transformation. So in the middle, we hope. Would you stand with me? In the middle, we trust. In the middle, we look towards our Lord. And in the Old Testament, when they spoke of of Jesus coming, they called him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus wasn't just a baby. It was God with us. So when we say Emmanuel, we're saying God with us. If you're looking for the Lord, if you're living in the middle, if you want to see more of the Lord in your life, I encourage you as we sing this next song to cry out to the Lord. Let's worship our Lord now. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We cry out to you today.